My name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. Today, my guest is Jillian Adams. I was really excited for this as Jill is one of, if not the only people I know who has consistently and actively pursued her purpose and her goals. She now lives in Finland, helping design icebreaker ships. She's only about 26, 27 years old and already working for one of the world's leading companies in the profession she's wanted as long as I've known her. I asked her about how she managed to do this when seemingly none of my other peers necessarily even had a purpose, let alone pursued it with such vigor. We talk about how she got interested in boat building in the first place, when she knew it was going to be her career, and what it was like to almost single-mindedly pursue this goal. We also talk about what it's like to have achieved this goal, to, to be living, to have moved across the world to pursue your passion and actually be successful at working you know, as one of the world's leading shipbuilders. Her life and her dedication is quite inspirational to me, and her story is kind of nuts to me. It's like she passes it off as quite simple, but to me it's kind of nuts. And I wish I had that passion. I'm working to, to have that similar drive and that mentality, but she's had it since I've known her when she was maybe 19 or 20. So it's a really great conversation, and if you're interested in you know, both how someone can pursue their goals like that. If you're interested in, let's call it an eclectic profession, not that many people think I'm going to design the structures of massive ships, right? And she didn't know this was a profession all of the time. Um, if you're interested in, you know, advice and guidance as to how in a world that seemingly doesn't help you find or pursue your purpose, you can actually do that. This is a conversation definitely worth listening to. As always, please consider subscribing on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app and supporting the show at thesafespace.ca. Hey, Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you, Birnbaum? Good. David. Thanks for... Yeah, I've not been called Birnbaum in a long time, but it's all good. You, you, have the, you can have that privilege. Yes. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate you coming on this. I, I, I'm excited to talk to you about this because you are, in my words, like the most, let's call it single-minded, dedicated person I've ever met in like the best way I could possibly, you know, say that because I don't know how long you've wanted to build boats, but as long as I've known you, you wanted to build boats and like, that was just your mantra almost like everything <laughs> you were doing seemed to, to be going towards that. And, you know, there are other people who I've met who've had things they claimed they were dedicated to do, but like you've moved to Finland. You're like, you're there because this is where people build boats and that's what I want to do. And so like, it's very impressive. And I want to kind of understand where this passion came from and then get into what that was like actually like growing up in university and, and these sorts of things. So why don't you tell me a bit about why you wanted to build boats and you know, what you're actually doing now and when you knew you wanted to do this? Okay, um, so I guess we'll start with what I do now. So right now uh, I'm a structural designer uh, for ice going ships. So I work for a company called Arctic Technology and we specialize in ships um, like high ice class. So that's ships going to Antarctica and to the poles and really high up there. 
um, and operating year round in ice. So I work on designing the structures for the hull um, for that. Very cool. This was, <laughs> this was not necessarily what I thought when I like went to university that this is what I was going to do. Uh, actually, I went into university and picked mechanical engineering because I was like, planes are like boats. There was, there was a bit of deviation from the dedication. Okay. But I think that was more because I didn't realize that this was actually a career path. Right. So it's quite a niche uh, part of the market, even within shipbuilding, like shipbuilding is pretty niche. And then, sorry, that's the cash. <laughs> uh, and then um, Arctic shipping is even more niche than, uh, than shipping. And so I didn't know coming from Ontario that that was a path I could take. Um, right. At the and time. So so you've always had, tell me a bit about your passion for, yeah, when I say like you build boats, people might not understand, like you're working on like the, the as far as I understand, like the top tier of ships in the world, like the most complex ships, right? Yeah, that's um, what we like to consider. <laughs> yeah, and, um, but you've always been interested in boats generally. And so I didn't know there was some deviation because yeah, as, as far as I knew, I mean, we met maybe in your second or third year. Um, yeah. And you wanted to do this. And so tell me a bit about your passion first, I suppose, for boats more broadly. So that I guess started, um, I sailed with an organization out of Toronto um, on tall ships, uh, Toronto Brigantine. And so I was part of the crew there and it was really, that was kind of the formative part of my high school. I was never really involved with things within my high school. It was always with these um, ships in Toronto. So I would travel to Toronto work on the ships on Fridays and Saturdays. And then in the summer I would live on the ships. So that's really how I guess um, the maritime world kind of creeped into my life. And my family's originally from Nova Scotia. And so I was always, I've always loved the sea. I was like being near the water. Um, and so both of those went hand in hand. And so that's kind of where it started was being crew on the ship. And like some of those summers were the best summers of my life. And that really is what started my passion for uh, shipbuilding, I guess. Cool. And so then when did you kind of actually figure out or decide that this was going to be a career path or, or, or it was a potential career path? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I went into, um, I knew I was going to do engineering, um, from a fairly young age, like probably 12 or something. Um, and then I went into mechanical cause I figured it was quite broad and it could go kind of into, any branch I wanted. And originally I thought like, I mean, originally this lasted about a semester when I was in first year, I thought aviation. Um, but then I ended up finding an article or my mom found an article in the newspaper about um, a young ship designer working in Vancouver. And so essentially from that point onwards, um, all of my co-ops, I tried to find something that was in the Marine. Um, and so I started going out and looking for uh, naval architecture companies. And so then I finally got my first placement in um, when we probably would have just met in second year. And from essentially from the moment that I got that position and I heard that this was a thing, then yeah, that I guess is where the dedication started. And I was pretty set on this being my career path. Right. And so tell me about that, because in university, it was kind of almost like a running joke, how, how obsessed you were with boats and how single-minded you were like, I'm building boats. And 
you know, it's very dismissive because there are very few people like that. But now, you know, I view that as impressive that you kind of knew what you wanted to do and you were mm-hmm. working at it. You hustled for your own co-ops. You, as far as I knew, put in a lot of effort to be able to go to grad school. So what was it like to kind of be one of, maybe you knew other people who were as dedicated as you, but what was it like to kind of be that in an ecosystem that doesn't seem like it's very much like that? Yeah, so I remember getting to like fourth year and we had to do our mechanical design project. Um, (laughs) And it was so focused on entrepreneurship and like building a product when all I really wanted to do was design a ship. But it wasn't set up like that in any way, shape or form. And to really get a good grade doing something like that, you had to go well away from kind of what the standard was. So I think in some ways it wasn't like the university, okay, granted it was in car country, I feel mechanical engineering wise, it wasn't really in shipbuilding. So it was very geared towards anything other than ships. And I remember like we had a fluid dynamics class and I was sitting, yeah, second row and we got to the buoyancy and stability lecture. And I was like, yes, finally, something that is not car related and is related to what I want to do. It lasted 15 minutes. The prof said, no one's going to use this in their life. I put up my hand and said, excuse me, this is exactly what I'm doing. And they're like, "Mm." they gave me another five minutes and I moved on. (laughs) Right. So it was like, uh, I guess the school projects and everything didn't really kind of line up with what I wanted to do, but because I could find those co-ops, I could, and I'm working in the structural department. Um, It is like your basic kind of mechanics of deformable solids is what it was called at Waterloo. So it's how does a beam bend? So it wasn't that my education at Waterloo was completely useless. It actually set me up very well, but um, there was definitely moments in school where I was like, do we have to study another car? (laughs) And what about in terms of the social setting? Because like, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I felt there was more people like me than like you in terms of if you, if we were on opposite ends of the spectrum. And so did you find other people who were kind of like-minded in kind of knowing what they wanted to do? Yeah, I found a few people that at least maybe it wasn't what they were going to do forever but it was like a passion they were at least that dedicated to a lot of these people were like friends on the formula team um who like they knew they were going to do something with cars kind of thing um and but I did find like most people most of my friends weren't as set on one path uh like you said which is fine I just think I found what I loved and actually I find myself very lucky because it was quite easy to kind of figure out a path and kind of get to that point. Whereas I know a lot of people still aren't really happy with where they are kind of thing. So, whereas I absolutely love my job and I could stay here forever. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, though I, I'd push back on your claiming it's luck because from my perspective, it didn't, didn't seem like luck. Like you, as far as I understand, you kind of did a lot of work more than just through job mind to find some of your co-ops. And also for grad school, you worked very hard to get into what I assume is like a bizarre eclectic grad program or something, right? So sort of. it's a very niche grad program I've been to. Yeah. And so like, you know, I, I would give you more credit than that. It seems like it takes work to get to where you are, not luck, right? 
Yeah, I'm not saying it was so much luck that I got to where I am, but it was luck that I found what I wanted to do. Um, like, I do agree. I did put in, like, when everyone was going through job mine, I was so nervous because I had sent out all these applications, but there wasn't, I hadn't heard back and there wasn't a single job on job mine that I wanted to get locked into in case someone got back to me. So that was definitely very nervous. And, you know, I contacted, I don't know, there's probably about, in companies in Canada and I heard back from one in the end and that was the job I got and it was a great experience and I went back there again um but yeah no I did and for masters as well it was a lot of research into how I could you know fund myself moving abroad because it wasn't just moving to one country I ended up I studied in Finland and then studied in Sweden um and so how to you know fund uh, international masters and pay the tuition fees and living costs and moving here kind of thing. So yeah, I think I'm happy with where I am, but it did take some work and sacrifice to get here. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to ask, were there ever times where you like questioned the path? Were there any, like, were, what were the factors that like made you think, well, maybe I shouldn't move to Finland, right? Cause like, that's another mm -hmm. big thing. Uh, to, to move across the world to pursue a passion is mm. I've never met anyone else who's done that. Um, like, you know, I, I have a certain career I want and it only really exists in another part of the world. So I'm going yeah. there. Like, and it was, I, as far as I understand, it wasn't even a question for you. It was kind of self-evident. Of course I'm moving to Finland, but I'm assuming it was more nuanced than that. Yeah, there was, so I guess my, my mom's a professor and so she's always traveled quite a bit um, for work. And so tra the traveling aspect wasn't really, it didn't seem that far um, kind of thing. It was just, um, and at the beginning it was just masters. So it was temporary. I didn't have a job kind of thing. Um, but then Definitely the past year with not being able to travel home, because um, my argument was always Finland is essentially just as far from Nova Scotia as Vancouver is from Nova Scotia, right? right? And so I, I definitely wasn't going to live in Ontario. That was, my parents knew, my parents knew that when I was like 15, like that was not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I would say before this year, I felt very comfortable and it was, easy. My parents um, have come here plenty of times. I normally get back at least once a year. Uh, this year, my flight was cancelled and I don't know if I can come home at Christmas. And so this is kind of a little more stressing. Um, but hopefully this is, I'm still banking on this being fairly temporary. And honestly, there's not really jobs in Canada that I want, want to do instead of what I do now. So I don't know. This past year has been more difficult in that aspect. Before that, I would have said it was just me living abroad and me living, you know, a flight away from my parents instead of a drive away from my parents. Right. So. I suppose the world is small these days, as they say. Maybe it's a bit bigger right now. <laughs> it's a bit bigger right now, but it, it was small before. Yeah, a year ago, the world was was quite small. Um, yeah. And so you mentioned how you love your job and, you know, that's fantastic. And I want to know, you know, in your peer groups, both, I suppose, maybe not at work, but outside of that, do you find other mm -hmm. people are, have that love of work the way you do? Uh, okay. I would say within my company, yes. I, I know you said you didn't want that, but because we are such a niche, like 
you really have to love what you're doing to really kind of stick in that industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got some other friends here in Finland who are also kind of as dedicated, but I definitely have friends who are more, it's just a job that they're doing now and they're kind of getting their feet on their ground and trying to figure out their way. So I think it's a mix of both still. There's still, I don't know anyone who absolutely, oh no, that's a lie. One friend who really doesn't like his job, but that's just because of COVID, it's so hard to switch right now. Like he had started anyways, that's another story. But I think, <laughs> I think ultimately, like I do have quite a few friends who are quite passionate about what they do. Um, and I don't know if that stems from just like-minded people kind of coming together. Um, but I also have friends who are just kind of, it's a job, I have other passions outside of work, which is a different aspect. Yeah, and so that's my next question is how much, like, so let's say work is 50% of anyone's life. Let's say mm-hmm. that, right? Is is your work more, like is boats and what you're doing more than that? Is it kind of an all-encompassing thing or what's kind of the balance? Cause you know, there's this image of, let's say Elon Musk that he, like he might, all yeah. he must do is eat, sleep and breathe Tesla and SpaceX, right? And so yeah. is that comparable to you and your friends? Do you hang out, talk about boats, go to boat shows or? No, <laughs> I would say no. <laughs> Most of my friends don't really know what I do for a living. Like they know it has to do with boats, but other than that, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, Jill does boats. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's not quite as all encompassing as that. Um, I mean, I try to, if I can take a ferry somewhere instead of a plane, like I would probably pick that option. Um, <laughs> which like I, when I was backpacking, I legitimately considered taking a ferry from Germany to Finland in the dead of winter just for fun. <laughs> and then my friends I was with told me that was not a good idea. So right. we didn't. <laughs> but like that kind of aspect comes into it. And, um, but yeah, I would say my day-to-day conversations outside of the office do not revolve around boats. <laughs> cool, that makes sense. I, I, was <laughs> I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for. <laughs> no, no I, was, I was just honestly wondering, right? Um, and so I, yeah. I ask, again about kind of the the move to Finland so I know it was temporary for school um but then also you did find a job there and so there's always like you know potential longer term implications that's a pretty big step I suppose what was if you can kind of tell me a bit about the thought process of weighing priorities and stuff because like, I don't know if I could try, like, if I'd be willing to go to Finland and try and learn Finnish and, you know, all of this stuff. And so, you know, yeah, if you're doing the pros, cons, way scale, like, okay, building boats versus all of this other stuff, was it like not even a question or, yeah, what's that kind of process like? I know when I started, uh, so I've been working now two years. Um, so when I started, it was always kind of thought of as, um, I don't know what my cats are doing, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, when I started, it was kind of, um, okay, maybe I'll work here for, you know, 10 years, get the lay of the land. And then at the time when I started, my company actually had an office in Canada. So um, there was kind of that idea that maybe if I worked in Finland, where the main office was, then I could um, maybe bring that knowledge to the Canadian office and kind of have both and have my foot in both doors. Um, We've closed that office since, but um, 
at the same time, because we are such specialists in the world, we really like most countries who have any type of Nordic, um, Nordic or Antarctic uh, ships going, like we're involved in most of those projects anyways, in some way, shape or form. So there's always projects in Canada that we're trying to work towards. So then there's some aspects of that where I could potentially travel home more. Um, but there was definitely, again, pre-COVID, there was less of a feeling that I was here for good, right? There was more travel in the world. There was more of that. But now I'm kind of getting more and more settled here. And like, I really think I'll be here for quite a long time now. Um, one of the reasons is that the company I work for is really kind of top of the line in what we do. Um, and the jobs in Canada aren't really, Canada is just kind of building up the shipbuilding program again. And so it's not quite as advanced as what we're doing. Um, and so, I don't know, it's, oh, I kind of see it as taking maybe a step back. So where I would be closer to family and that's not even guaranteed because I could be on either coast. Um, so that aspect kind of got taken out of it. And then on top of that, it's not really the top of the line. Like it's not the best that I could be doing in the field and that's really what I want to do. And so um, like that part of the Finland is equation weighed more um, than the Canada equation. And it was the same. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it was the same with like friends and stuff. Like it was also like I moved here and I knew absolutely nothing. Like I knew no one, <laughs> didn't know the language, that kind of thing. And so, but even like my friends recognized that I wasn't going to be in the Toronto Waterloo area where most people were. So they were still only really going to be seeing me once or twice a year, maybe. And so that kind of, that aspect of the moving away was kind of negated because I wasn't, I wasn't going to live where I grew up essentially. So that was part of the equation. <laughs> right. So like there was very little to no chance you'd stay where you were anyway. So it's like, if you're going to yeah. move to BC, what's the difference with Finland? You're still going to be in a new place, not know many people. Yeah. Like that was almost a given for you. Yeah. 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 That was a given from quite a young point in time. So. Okay. That makes sense. I'm, what does it, what is it like to know you're one of the best in the world at something? Like you're one of, you're working for one of the best come and maybe you're not the best in the <laughs> I don't know your skill level, but you're working for like a top company in the world. And, you know, I know very few people who've achieved that status, especially at such a young age. What is that like? There's a bit of like second guessing sometimes. Like there's definitely kind of that thought of like imposter syndrome a little bit where you're like, am I like, am I really doing this? Like, <laughs> Kind of, do I really have the qualifications for this? But I think it's also like, I don't know. I was, my, I was always very smart and that was kind of one of the things I really prided myself on all through school. And so I worked hard for my grades. I worked hard to get to where I am. And so I think I just worked hard to get this job as well. And I got my foot in the door and um, worked hard while I was it. Cause I was a trainee, like a co-op position here uh, first before I got my full-time job. And so I worked my butt off during that and then got hired back. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's sweet. And so I want to ask, yeah, in terms of just the actual work it took to get where you are, was there ever mm -hmm. a time where it was like too much and you quit or almost too much and you questioned, is it really worth it? Or was it like, 
either there was no question you're going to push through whatever it is, or was it kind of smooth sailing? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think it was smooth sailing all the way, but there was definitely always um, that passion that like, this is what I want to do. And that was kind of the driving force. And that kept me going when I was missing home and that kind of thing and couldn't make it home for some things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so do you have any advice for the kind of people starting in university or at some point in high school or in their career, like in terms of how to actually pursue an interest? Cause I think most people have some interest that they think is impractical, let's say, right. Cause most yeah. people don't have no idea what they're doing or what they want to be doing. They just kind of, I would say, think the, the, the fringe thing that they're actually most passionate about probably isn't possible to do as a career. Yeah. That, that was kind of like, you didn't know boats were a thing you could actually build. And you know, the, it was kind of not, I don't know. I, it was not. I don't know why I ever thought of that. <laughs> How did I not think that like that was a career? <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't have thought of it. And I was recently talking with someone who now at the age of 40 or so is reflecting how like he never considered law as a career because he just had never been exposed to lawyers. And it's like, well, you know, lawyers exist, but you don't make that connection. Mm-hmm. That, like, oh, this is something I could theoretically do. Um, yeah. But so do you have advice? Because you're someone who, oh, yeah, I can build boats, actually. I you've. The, the light bulb went on and then you pursued it. Um, yeah, what kind of advice would you have to, to people? I think, um, honestly, do your research. Like I didn't know the companies existed in Canada until I sat there and did my research because as much as we all like to think we're unique, someone probably had the thought before. And so if you find that niche passion, um, that you're like you want to pursue and you want to even if you're not doing necessarily the exact degree or something like that but it's something you're passionate about and you want to pursue it i would say try to find um someone who does it so that was my first step into the industry was finding someone who um was like a good mentor and could help me through kind of that first step and kind of show me the different aspects of marine marine engineering and naval architecture um and that really kind of once that door was opened it was a lot easier to kind of really see that as a career and then also kind of as i said waterloo may not have been the best to train me as a naval architect but it at least um like i could see where the links were and so if you're not in the right degree program maybe you're not learning exactly what you think but somehow i'm sure along those lines because you got into that program so something interested you so if you can kind of find that way to combine that passion with what you're learning I think that's a very powerful tool as well cool and then what what would you say in terms of when people are in a moment where it is tougher to continue on that path if they're on it what did you hold on to in terms of like you know reminding yourself of the passion and and the purpose you had that boats are cool (laughs) <laughs> like probably my thought like how many people can say like especially if it's such a niche thing 
Um, like how many people can walk into a room and someone is like, oh, what's your job? And you're like, no, oh, I'm an icebreaker designer. That normally honestly stops people in their tracks and they're like, what? <laughs> Did you just say that? So I think kind of that kind of uniqueness and that um, they're remembering that it's your passion kind of thing really helped me through. Um, it was pretty cool to finally be able to say I was a naval architect. <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, do you have any any last thoughts on, on this? Uh, you know, I just want to reiterate, I like I'm very impressed by you. Um, and so congratulations. Uh, and like, it's just, it's, I hope many people listen to this and learn from your example, because I think it's just like, almost otherworldly how, uh, um, how well you yeah. execute on your, on your passion. Yeah, I think I, I did feel kind of during university that I was one of the few that at that point knew exactly what I was going to go through. So it was comforting to know that, I would say. Um, but it was by no means easy to get here. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Jill. Thanks. <laughs>